Deion Dawkins, man. And you're listening to The Scoop on OwlScoop.com. You already know. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to The Scoop, OwlScoop.com's podcast. Season 8, episode 21, our special National Signing Day podcast. I'm John DiCarlo. Got the full house again. Kyle Gauss, Javon Edmonds, Hayden Steele. What's up, gentlemen? How you doing? I don't know. It the, the weather outside is awful today. I think it worse. Would you call it? Would you call it frightful? But is I there a fire inside that's so delightful? It, it makes you just like not want to do anything but lay in bed all day. You know. Hayden got my Christmas Christmas song joke. What yeah, we we I got it. It just you know not even feeling Christmassy with this. Yeah. Weather. Like if it were snowing, sure, but it's not even snowing. I think it's supposed to be the coldest Christmas since 1989. The year of uh, both me and Taylor Swift being born. So I brought coldness into this air. I will take coldness out of this world. 1989, I was at Lionville Junior High looking awkward, I'm sure. I mean, how do I cuff my jeans? Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Well, I don't know. Caden and Javon weren't of this world yet. They were just preparing their somewhere just preparing their journalism brains, ready to hit the ground running. You're well, saying biolo- biologically, that's not how that works. They yeah, were no, not. I know. <laughs> was nine, so I don't think I was even processed at that point. <laughs> I just, I don't know. I'm just well, one of like, if you want to get into like anatomy, one of the gross things that people always say is like, your grandmother, like you, your grandmother had you in her, mm-hmm. which is, mm-hmm. I don't like to think about those things. As far as I'm concerned, <laughs> come out come out with opinions hard opinions <laughs> they yell at you a lot <laughs> i get yelled at all the time but my my son my daughter's an angel <laughs> what you're getting yelled oh, at now you just made me sprain a brain south thinking of the math on this one and I so think, uh, when your mom was in the womb like when your mom was a child in her mom's womb she already had all of her eggs so you were inside uh your grandmother as well hmm. like they are born like they have all their eggs. This has been health class. So. Yeah. yeah, it took me back to seventh grade. Thanks for the nostalgia. I have a health class story. I think I've told this before. Of uh, in my when I was growing up, there was a girl whose like grandfather was the superintendent of our school district, and he kept like skipping her and skipping her and skipping her. So like she was like nine years old in seventh grade, and it all came to be come, came to fruition in seventh grade when they were like, we cannot show you how this health class stuff. Like you need to just go outside and like color. Yeah, so I came, came back to bite her. Go outside and wear earmuffs. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah, famous. Uh, we got a, a full slate of good football recruiting stuff for you guys. We've got some um, some audio from Temple's coordinators, Danny Langsdorf, the offensive coordinator, DJ Elliott, the defensive coordinator. Got a clip from Stan Drayton as well in the mailbag. Not going to be talking hoops today. We realize there is a struggling to say the very least Temple basketball team. Not going to be talking about them. This is going to be a football recruiting national signing day centric podcast for you guys. Famous number 21s. I got one. Kyle, you you jumped the gun on one famous number 21, I think a couple weeks ago. I don't know. Jagger Gardner. There you go. Not <laughs> well, who I was thinking Embiid. of, but what's that? I said, well, of course, Embiid would be, you know, like the top of that list right now. Yeah. Eric Allen. Eric Allen, Caden's always good for like late 80s. Oh. Eagles. First, that was like three months ago. You're talking about Clemente? Yes. 
Yeah, that was a while ago. That was. I don't think it was three months ago. I think it was like a few episodes ago. Which yeah, that could be a month. Could be Nick Markakis. That's a love good Nick Markakis. Mm-hmm. Kyle, I know you you would appreciate that. So I th- if Nick Markakis had stuck around and gotten to like three thousand hits, it would have been really interesting. Like, does he make the Hall of Fame? Because if you get three thousand hits, you make the Hall of Fame, right? But Nick Markakis was not a Hall of Fame player. So Very good. Like, Couldn't yeah. stay healthy. Very Man. good locker room presence. Uh, adapted because, you know, he, he was a power hitter early on. Like, he was like a 30-homer guy, and he kind of just became like that 15-homer guy because they had to mm-hmm. adjust. Good lefty swing. Yeah, I love Mark Higgins. Uh Deion Sanders. Coach Prime. Mm-hmm. Of the few more Eagles ones, Leotis McKelvin, Hasulio Hansen, and Hussulio a bunch of Hansen. I don't know those players. <laughs> can, can we shout out John for not leaving us for Coach Prime when he went to Colorado? Because I definitely thought he'd get coach. <laughs> <laughs> what exactly I mean I saw I can't remember what interview he did I've been sucked into all these interviews he's doing where he talks about everyone having the having to play their role and going above and beyond like what would he have recruited me for like you have to be the best what would he have organized like a hostile takeover of Colorado's rival site and he'd be like you got to do your part John you need to make the best baked macaroni and cheese for our cafeteria <laughs> you're like okay I'm right. sorry <laughs> okay I would do this <laughs> Um, Tim Duncan, Charles Woodson, Jimmy Butler, oh yeah, Kevin Duncan. Garnett, Dominique Wilkins, Ladanian Tomlinson. We missed a lot. Oh my goodness! Yeah. Are you just going all the Kevin Gar- All the stories that have been coming out about how like Kevin Garnett didn't understand like how the NBA worked the first year, and he was just like talking shit to Jordan for like four other players has been great. Like he was just talking shit like four other Timberwolves like when they were dropping on Jordan, and then Jordan would just destroy them. J.R. Uh, Ryder tried to tell him not to do it too. <laughs> New York Giant turned uh, sort of reality TV guy, Tiki Barber. Uh, you know what? So that's a good example of like people, like the knee jerk reaction to Tiki Barber is like he had fumbleitis and it ruined his career. He got over the fumbleitis. Yeah. Like he had like a two year stretch where like he had fumbled a lot and then he had like 1,800 yard seasons after that. But people just remember like there was a 18 month stretch where he fumbled the ball a lot. Yeah. Sammy Who's better, him or Rondé? I think Tiki was better than Rondé Barber. Rondé Barber yeah. just just hurt Eagles fans. Yeah, sure. A big but way. so did Joe Jerovicious. Like, that doesn't make up on him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Frank Gore. Frank Gore, is, did you see the video of Frank Gore's son after they won their bowl game? No. Yeah. He's it's on the much. field. He's on the field. His auntie comes in. It's like, yeah, he's like, auntie, chill. There's like, boom, to the side. Really? Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. <laughs> Patrick Peterson. That's about Patrick Peterson. Yeah. Still in the Vikings, right? Yeah. Oh, oh, okay. Baseball one for you. Kyle, 1960 to 1975. Sub three ERA, over 2,300 strikeouts, over 240 wins. Big leg Ooh, kick? Big leg kick? Juan Marichal? Good job, John. Yeah, good, good for job. you, John. I would have never gotten there. Yeah. Um, Ooh, I, prom- I promise himself. I didn't. Promise I didn't look that up. That one's a good one. Yeah, Marishaw, Steroid, Clemens. That's good. There's a Raiders player that's known for Stickum. A word 21? Cliff Branch? Cliff Branch, yep. Yes. When we would, um, I know that because my dad was a old school Raiders fan. And then when we were growing up, if you were playing football in the street or in someone's yard and you just couldn't, you didn't have the space. And if you threw a pass and it got knocked down by a tree, we would always say, knocked down by Cliff Branch. And we thought we were really funny. <laughs> I can't think of stick up without um, without Brett the I can't think of stick stick without the other replacements. 
Michael Cooper. Don Sutton. Yeah. Yeah, Warren Spawn. Mm. Dave Bing. Andy Pettit, if we want to count him as a great. Not great. I think Andy, I mean, Andy Pettit's a great. Okay. <laughs> Was, is that just because he left Baltimore? I'm thinking Mike Yusina. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, I think Pettit's still great. I think of Pettit as, as like in the scene where he came out to get Mariano Rivera. Where it wasn't it Girardi who sent them but no, like, "Yeah, you're going to go get him to take him out of the game for last time." Which are you allowed to do that? <laughs> yeah, he sent Joe Girardi. Sent I guess it was Girardi sent Jeter and Pettit out to get. No, I know he did it, and I'm sure that yeah. he's kind of like whatever. But like, isn't that supposed to be the the manager? Yeah, sure. Because like you never even see like the pitching coach like make that decision. It's always the manager comes out. Yeah. We're about I got nine 70- minutes into this scoop. That we I, have Baseball I got a 76er for you. One Joel of the Embiid. best names of all time. A guard, very good scorer. 21. What era? 80s. Weatherspoon? Tony was 22. Andrew Tony was 22. Um, it's not going to be uh, World Be Free, is it? There you go. World be freeze. I don't know. Is his third wife? I don't know. I used to work with one of his wives, and he would just show up. Like when I was like a student worker, like mm-hmm. she worked at the Temple Hospital, and mm-hmm. she would just show up, and he would like look around, like wait for students to come, like kiss his ring. And like world be freeze here. <laughs> Covered like several. Sam Newman will um, preach. What's that? Sam Newman will appreciate Carlos Delgado. Yeah. That'd be great. Sleepy yeah. Floyd. Did he make the Hall of Fame, Delgado? I don't think so. I think he had like 407. He's going to fall into that. If we supposed to make this a Hall of Fame podcast, uh, like 473 homers gets you into Fred McGriff territory where it's like, it's going to take you like 20 years to get in because you finish with 20 less homers than you should. Mm-hmm. Have you said Jeff Kent? Jeff yeah. Kent, not a Hall of Famer. There's, there's, another, another, there's another former Sixers. That is young. Oh, God. That is young. Oh. Georgia Tech. Yes. Anyway, Temple football recruiting. I don't know if Th- Thad Young did not uh, require it. Ugh. He was a good player just on no, some he bad was. teams. He was. I know. <laughs> I, know. Just, I, my, I have bad 2K memories of Thad Young. Yeah, but he was just know? like, it was that stretch of the Sixers where like he was clearly like the best player on those teams. It's just bad Sixers teams. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, Temple added. So, again, as of what, Thursday afternoon, so Temple added 25 players on National Signing Day yesterday. So it was 20 high school players, two JUCO players, and then three transfers. Um, and just a reminder, you can check out our Countdown to Signing Day series if you want to read a lot of our coverage on uh, some of the, the players that signed from the class. We'll have another story coming up on Zael Powell from Rymir Vaughn that you can check out. And uh, we have coverage up yesterday of uh, – a full transcript of Stan Drayton signing day press conference. You can listen to the audio on the site as well. Um, but yeah, 20, 25 guys coming in at the time that Stan Drayton, uh, Stan Drayton, Stan Drayton spoke. Um, they had not yet received the signature of Melvin Ciani, uh, but he has now signed. And again, a reminder, and we'll, you know, if you listen to the audio, you'll hear this again. There is a later signing period, February 1st. Stan Drayton did say that, you know, they could sign a handful of additional players, whether that is in February or maybe taking some guys after spring ball to see what some of their positional needs are. Um, but again, we got a lot to get into here. Again, some good audio, uh, just taking a, a breakdown of the class and everything. But before we get into that, guys, just um, Caden, I'll, I'll start with you, given your 
passion for covering recruiting. And again, your mad scientist approach. I, again, we will never forget when you sat down at the the table at the link before one of the games last year. And I think you said, well, I think I have a problem. Didn't you say you had a problem? You thought you were addicted to covering recruiting. What was the exact quote? Yeah, I feel like something along those lines. I got yeah, something like that. Probably yeah. too much to it, but, you know, it turned out. ABC, Caden. <laughs> Always be recruiting. Didn't you come to me once? Thought, like, I've talked to 25 guys over the last week. I was like, dear Lord. That was yeah. when we had to tell Caden, like, Caden, love that you're doing that. Some of these guys aren't going <laughs> to. We got to we gotta tighten this up. Like, <laughs> you're wasting a lot of your energy. And Rod Carey's last year. But, um, Caden, I'll start with you first. Like, again, there's obviously a ton to get into with this class. Just your overall, just Cliff Notes version of, like, just your overall takes of the class. A good class. You think they address what they need to address? What's your, you know, day after impression of uh, what they were able to do yesterday? Yeah, I thought, you know, a pretty good class, like we talked about before we came in. Kyle said, I think Rivals ranked them number five of group of five schools. And then from an overall position perspective, I thought they replenished the offensive line. And I have no idea if these guys will be good or not in you know, one to two years. But they got Luke Watson, who's a 6'5", 270-pound guy, offensive tackle. Same with Kevin Terry, who's another 6'5 guy. And then they added Diego Barges. Bar- I don't know how to say Barajas. 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 yes. Uh, Diego Barajas. I'm terrible at names, but he's 6'6 as well. So they all had a ton of size up front, which I thought was needed. You needed to replenish that area. And then I think they hit wide receiver pretty hard. They were able to keep Richard Dandridge, which I thought was a big get for them. And then at the same time, they went through the portal and got Dante Wright, who's been a proven wide receiver and returner in the Mountain West. So I thought they did a good job at the wide receiver position. And then at running back, uh, Stan talked about yesterday, he seemed really high on Jacquez Smith. And he also talked about Kyle Williams, you know, his versatility next year. So that's two guys right there, I think. Of all the players in this class, they could make the quickest impact. Mm-hmm. Playing in college uh, was the start to whose defensive coordinator career? Which college? Laney College, the JUCO that uh, Diego Barajas is from. Phil was Snow? the first, first defensive coordinator spot for Phil Snow wow. in like the late 70s. Hmm. Oakland. It was also on last chance you. Yes. Yes. Uh, Javon, what do you think of the class? Uh, I'm very impressed by the prospects of uh, uh i, I, I want to make sure i say his name right um so you know if, if he winds up listening to this podcast which all temple recruits should since you know we're probably it's actually part ones, of orientation you know, since we're like the first ones to give you your, your media spotlight and your stories the least you could do hit the subscribe <laughs> button um <laughs> ginsley august uh from west orange high school uh three-star pulled his commitment from georgia tech shout out jeff collins i guess had offers from JMU, Louisville, Maryland, Syracuse, VT, West Virginia. 6'5", 280, can play that, you know, three-tech spot on the defensive line. Gives Temple some more sides right there. I don't think we talked enough during the season about, A, they need some more heavies to help stop the run. The run defense just was meh. Wasn't as bad as Rod's team. I think it got maxed up more by the pass rush, though. Uh, so, you know, kind of ignored that deficiency, but they need help stopping the run. So you hope in a year or two, you know, he's one of those guys who can fill in there. Um, and I, like, I'm like, I'm with Caden on the offensive line. I do feel like they brought in some good size. It's just about mobility and technique um, on if those guys are going to work out. And, and Jordan Montgomery, big pickup, going to be one of those uh, – Apparently, according to Drayton, one of those outside linebackers who they mix up in rushing the passer and then dropping back into coverage in that 3-4 scheme. So 
I, I like the class, and of course, our people at Rivals do, putting them fifth in the group of five. Yeah, uh, I think that part that Javon just said about in a year or two is important. I mean, I think you can look at a couple. Like, you can look at Joquez Smith and go, okay, maybe there's a role there. Kyle Williams, maybe there's a role there. Richard Dandridge, uh, Danbridge, maybe there's a role there. For the most part, I just think this roster needs such, like, an influx of talent. Like you just like I, I think one of the questions we people have asked is like do you think they 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 did a good job of targeting like positions of needs? I think this entire roster was a position of need. Mm-hmm. Like I think that I don't think they were ever at the point where they could be like okay, you know what maybe like we feel like we're good at linebacker with whatever Kobe Wilson, Jordan McGee, Evandy Ring. We don't need to bring an inside linebacker. In. Like no, I think they need to bring linebackers in. I think they need to bring everybody in. They need to build this program the right way. I think the way that they're going to get those kind of like instant plug and play guys or like Taiwan Francis hasn't been announced yet, but from Colorado state who started at safety for Colorado state, um, Dante Wright, I think is a plug and play guy. Like, I think, I think they're using the transfer portal to kind of like plug in those spots and put fingers and holes in the dam and figure it out. But I think they did a good job with like high school prep Juco talent of also just like bringing in that next wave. We're not, not going to know if Eric King, Melvin Siani, who might have the biggest ceiling of them all, Kevin Terry, Luke Watson, we're not going to know if they're good until like, 2025 like, until then it's just kind of like develop 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 and i think you've noticed some areas where the cupboard might have been left bare in that aspect from the previous regime a couple other things that stand out to me number one just the, the amount of action there was in the in the 11th hour in the last like 24 to 48 hours the guys that that they added whether it was jordan montgomery whether it was uh um you know juco guy like ben Asuike. i hope i'm pronouncing his last name correctly who they're really impressed with um again you'll hear the full interview that we have with dj elliott but dj really loves him says he has a you know like a 3.75 gpa comes with a great come from a great family was a covid senior a guy that who's a whose recruitment was kind of affected by covid and a guy that could potentially play right away and and they didn't have to lean too much on the portal like kyle said a lot of plug and play guys but this wasn't not that we ever really thought this was going to be the case but really again Three transfers, two JUCO guys, the rest of them, you know, 20 high school players. So for now, they're staying true to, yes, we want to win. Yes, we realize that instead of being three and nine, this could have been a five and seven, six and six team that could have been bowl eligible. But like, I, I think we've agreed that even if they were more power to them, but they just would have been covering up a, a lot of deficiencies. But um, a lot of young talent here. They're not they're not looking necessarily for a, a quick fix. I was impressed with the fact that they were able to get, you know, 20 high school guys in this class. And um, really, I mean, so they lost in terms of decommitments, Cole Skinner decommitted, uh, committed to and signed with uh, USF. Um, Nathan Stewart, again, if you've been following along with this, you know that um, Nathan Stewart and Anthony Baxter, who verbally committed to Temple did not sign yesterday. This is where, you know, recruiting coverage gets interesting. Now, Nathan Stewart, uh, Caden, he told you yesterday he's playing to sign in February. Anthony Baxter was part of a signing day ceremony that he had at his high school yesterday in Fort Myers, Florida, but the Temple has not announced him as a signee. So, you know, we'll see what happens there. Uh, but overall, again, I think they addressed a lot of positions of need and um, got some local guys, obviously, as well, too. Again, they had... Um, you know, they they had um um come on, geez. Um 
the kid from Northeast High School, Tyrese Whitaker. Sorry, Tyrese Whitaker. Um, Tyrese Whitaker, and then uh, again the late edition of of uh, Jordan Montgomery, who had several Power Fives during the the duration of his recruitment. Um, and again, I'm going to go against what we've been talking about. And Kyle again makes a good point. You know, Javon makes a good point. You'll know more in a year or two, even three, how good this class is really going to be in terms of a, what's really you know any program can say it's a developmental program, but Temple definitely has to be. Having said that. They, they do need, and we'll play this clip in the mailbag because I think one of our mailbag questions involves how many starters or potential starters did you think they got, did you think they get um, in this class? Give me, I'll go around the horn here. Give me a um, a name from this class on each side of the ball that you think we might be talking about next season as a guy who's making a significant impact. And by a significant impact, I, I don't mean that they have to be you know, first team all conference or anything like that, but a, a guy that's going to make a difference right away next season on each side of the ball. I'm hopping in. So I don't, so I don't have to think Dante, Wright, Taiwan Francis, the Colorado state transfers, I think are instant starters. Okay. So Kyle, you stole my Dante, right? Um, well, I I'm going to go, <laughs> I'm going to go Alan Hay on defense though, the Miami D tackle. I think he'll be what Jaquavian Mahone was coming out of Kentucky. Uh, mm-hmm. Offensively. Give me Kyle Williams. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Damn. <laughs> that leaves me with not a lot of players. I, I would go, I guess I'll go with Jacques Smith. Stan Drayton seemed really high on him. I like the one of his responses. Have you seen his him. film, Caden? Have You're, you seen his film? Yeah. I'm not worried about how tall he is. Okay. Question about a certain amount of size from a certain reporter in uh at the yesterday's press conference. But Jacques Smith seems like a player that could make an instant impact. Is, you know, only 5'8, was a really productive player. In Florida, it was a three-star recruit. And then on defense, I guess I'll take a shot and maybe just because I don't see them having a true number two corner on the outside. Maybe a guy like Caleb Barnett, because he has the speed that they're looking for, could surprise. I know he hasn't played football for a long time, but maybe just, you know, from his athletic perspective that he can make an impact, at least on special teams. I've never understood. And I'm mad nobody got on the horn to tell me about this. I've never understood being concerned about a short running back. No. Do you not know how much of a luxury mm-hmm. a short running back is? A Darren Sproles, a Ray Rice, a Danny Woodhead, a Rex Burkett. Like, those guys squeeze through the line. They normally got great hands and can catch out of the backfield. They got quick feet, good hips, low center of gravity, change of direction and change of pace off the charts. Like, a short running back is personally, like, if I were a high school football coach, that's my dream is to have a short running back. 5'8 is like perfect. 5'8, 5'9 is like perfect running back size. Why is that a question? Get yourself a short king. Yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's just like, <laughs> it's the one position, right? That like, it doesn't matter. Javon I think loves <laughs> that. Javon loves, Javon is cracking up. I wish you guys could, uh, our listeners could see the video. Javon is just cracking up here. <laughs> like, oh, man. Drayton made the comment about they wanted to get like longer at certain positions, like tight end, like Peter Clark is. You're taking him because he's he's six six, and you're hoping he can that, block on the perimeter. And yeah, you're hoping like things that, yeah. to figure out. But like wide receiver and running back, like I don't care about that to be honest, all that much. Like they, I think they have some size of wide receiver. If like Dwan Mathis works out or Ian Stewart, like for the most part, it's just get productivity out of those positions. Mm-hmm. Um, and there a guy, I mean, EJ Wilson, the FIU transfer, I know that might have raised some eyebrows as to why why they took him because um, he didn't have the most successful career at FIU so far. But I think the difference is that he just knows how to play college football. Mm-hmm. Um, and for the most part, outside of Edward Sadie now, like nobody else in that room knows how to play college football. So mm-hmm. I think it's just, they, I think they're building a program to the point that they're like, 
I think they realize that they have the chance to be kind of okay next year. Like, I think I don't think a bowl uh, appearance is out of the question next year, especially considering you're losing like three losses in UCF, Cincy, and Houston. You're adding, you know, Charlotte and FAU. So, like, I think it's possible to get bowl. I think they realize the best chance for them to do that is they need to have depth these positions. It can't even if Edward Sadie holds on to his starting job and all this stuff happens and he goes down week four. Like, you can't just be like, well, now we have to rely on a freshman. Like, I think they're just they're filling up last year they did that by relying on juco players a lot mm-hmm. this year they have a full recruiting cycle that they were able to kind of dig in elsewhere other places yeah wilson uh, actually like his yards per carry are encouraging too so it, it's not just a completely out of the blue type of transfer yeah. you know and he's, he, he can return kicks <laughs> drayton was like you know he averaged like 19 yards of return. I was like, that's not that great of a number but <laughs> but yeah, yeah he can return kicks you're bringing other guys that can return kicks like uh daryl sweeten who they flipped from. Dante Wright was a first team all, or second team all Mountain West returner on punt yeah. return. So it yeah. feels like they're adding a lot of stuff like in things. Like th- those are things that like it's when you don't have a deep team is when you start seeing guys in positions like that, like or gunner on you know punt defense, like uh, where they're forced to play guys that probably shouldn't really be playing that because they don't have the depth elsewhere and they can't put their starters in. And like this is how you build a complete program. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, I mean, you guys took a lot of the good names here. And again, if you check out um, our Countdown to Signing Day series, you can read a lot about these guys. You know, Kyle uh, talked to Montgomery, for, uh, to Jordan Montgomery from Roman Catholic. Um, we've got stuff on Peter Clark from Liam Gianelli. Um, Caden, you talked to Kevin Terry, the one of the offensive tackles that they're really high on. Uh, Johnny's Wislack talked to Conlon Green. Liam also talked to to Kyle Williams. We got stuff on... Um, like Max talked to Jaquest Smith. Uh, Max uh, talk, also talked to Richard Dandridge. We've got stuff on Luke Watson. So you can read a lot about about these guys, and we're going to continue to get you. I want to quote. I want to tell a quick tidbit from the Jordan Montgomery story that did not make it into the story. Sure. Uh, when when I was interviewing him, I asked him. I was like, "Hey," because he was on that last official visit where they got eleven commitments in the span of like eighteen hours. Mm-hmm. And I said, "When you were on there, did you kind of get the vibe that like all these kids were coming to Temple?" He said, "Honestly, the opposite." He was like, he's like, everyone was loving it. We're all having a great time. We're vibing. He goes, but I would talk to people and they'd be like, yeah, I don't know if I'm going to commit, like, blah, blah. Like, and he's like, next thing I know, everybody committed. So I told the, I don't know if that's a result of like, once the players got home, they realized like the opportunity they had in front of them, or if Temple did a good job of like sealing the deal Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday after a visit. I don't know. But he was just like, yeah, he's like, people like weren't telling me they were going to commit. And then 36 hours later, they committed. Yeah. So, yeah that was interesting. Yeah. I want to add this in with mm-hmm. Drayton. Um, I think Drayton kind of set the bar high for the rest of Temple's coaches in the other sports, where it's like, hmm, this is what this guy just did in his first recruiting cycle. And uh, granted, it's all on paper right now. Right. Have to see how they t- turn out on the field. But this kind of sets the bar of, hey, can recruit kids here. Don't want to hear any excuses about it at this right. point. I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a good point. We just said with like, this is all on paper. There are 130 head co- head coaches in America right now. I think they have a good signing class. Like everybody yeah. thinks that they hit it every year because like they recruited those guys. But like, I just get a better feeling about this class than I did the past three, four five classes. Yeah. And again, I think they're, I think that, well, I think some of it starts from the fact that they got back to being more dedicated to camps. Um, they really, in terms of a footprint, they were able to get two of the better players from the city um, in, in Tyrese Whitaker and Jordan Montgomery. You know, you're not going to get like the, you know, Jeremiah Trotter's kids of the world and like guys that are going to go to, you know, go to, go to big, big time power five programs, but you got some good players from the city. You got five or six kids from, from Florida 
I think Which if you that's were, I consider that part of their footprint. Like they've recruited Florida. I mean, they so yeah, they, yeah, yeah, they've yeah, always yeah. considered a part of their footprint. And you know, a kid like you know, if you're following like the recruitment of like Richard Dandridge, and who was you know, Stan said yesterday, he's like, look, he really inwardly never really wavered. You know, he he always seemed impressed with the school. Um, when he talked to Ryan Wright a couple weeks ago, Rivals National Recruiting Analyst, he did he acknowledge he was like, yeah. Some other programs are trying to flip me, and I'm paraphrasing this. He's like, we'll see where I end up. So, yes, he did leave it a little vague. I don't really hold that against the kid, but they held on to him. And, you know, Stan didn't go player for player, but one of the anecdotes he shared yesterday was like, yeah, I thought I was going to have a relaxing night watching Temple basketball. That seems to be a bit of an oxymoron lately. Sorry. But, you know, he said he's at the Temple Maryland Eastern Shore game, and they said, yeah, I had to step out in the concourse, handle some, some last-minute phone calls, which – that's, and a good that's way makes you feel good that you're yeah. holding on to some guys that people. I mean, that's nothing new. I have a memory of 2016 where we saw Evan Cooper now in Nebraska have to do the same thing, like with NEO to keep Freddie Johnson coming here. Like those things happen. Like college football yeah. is wild. It literally Send comes it down to Miami the last to get him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you really only lost, you know, again, where we're not sure, you know, what's going to become of. You know, does does Anthony Baxter sign? Like, does Nate? Um, you know, does Baxter sign? Does Nathan Stewart sign? We we don't we don't know at this point exactly what's going on with them. But they really didn't have for a three and nine team with in a world of of the portal and NIL and stuff. They really didn't. You know, the the losses really in terms of signings were were very very minimal. Um, in terms of my guys, uh, I mean, you guys took a lot of the good. Players, it would be easy to point to Jaquas Smith or Kyle Williams. Obviously, Ed Sadie had one game this season that was good. I'm going to be really, really good, obviously, against USF. But otherwise, things are wide open at, at running back. Um, I have a feeling that you're going to see, and I, I'm sure they will be hoping for the same thing, one of these offensive linemen, as much as that's really a developmental position, I think you got to have – sure, it would be easy to say that you got to get something out of Diego Brajas because he's a Juco player. They probably will. You got a lot of players to replace on that line between Adam Klein, Isaac Moore. Everybody has to stay healthy. They had so many injuries on that line. I think one of these guys is going to play a lot. Maybe maybe it is a kid like Eric King who has guard size. All right. Maybe it's him. I find it funny that I think Langsdorf or somebody, maybe it was Langsdorf, must have been toys. Like, oh, usually like to like start him out tackle, and if they can't figure it out, you move him inside the guard. And yeah. everybody with Eric King has been like, well, yeah, he's a guard. Like, yeah. I was like, we're, we're, we're putting him in guard. Yeah. And then, yeah, on defense, maybe a guy like Sweeting, like 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 Daryl Sweeting. Um, there were a couple guys yesterday they talked about. It's like, this guy really, he can be a returner right away. And again, Sweeting was a former USF commit. Stan said yesterday they had to fight to get him once they, once they flipped him. Um, I think on defense, either him or or Ben Asike, uh, because again, they really, you know, and it, or it could be like 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 Caden said, Caleb Barnett hasn't been playing football a long time, but he's super fast. So um, they're gonna need they're gonna need some guys to step up in this class, regardless of how young they might be. That part you just said, the speed aspect, um, which I mean, let's not put this staff on like a pedestal. Like I think a lot of people have realized that Temple needs more speed to compete in this conference, but like I think that's the theme of this class right it's like offensive linemen at speed like you're adding xavier xavier urban speed you're adding zaheem uh, coleman frazier speed like 
Caleb Burnett's speed. Like, I think they just realized, like, we need to just get, like, general speed into this program. It's the same reason, like, Rod Carey tried doing that, and they just weren't that successful with it. But, like, Matt Rule had to do that his last year. He adds um, Randall Jones, Freddie Johnson, Isaiah Wright, Tony Grainer. If you get Robbie Anderson back into the program, you put up with what you're going to put up with. with Right, because, like, you can't teach. It's the same reason. Look, I love him as a player. It's the same reason Tyreek Hill has a career. It's the same reason people were willing to look past all the stuff that happened at Oklahoma State. Like you cannot teach four two nine speed. So mm-hmm. people are like, well, I'll put up with them. If I'm West Alabama, I will come take them. Like these things work out because usually speed tends to translate. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, as I mentioned, uh, if you're an outscoop.com subscriber, you will get access to the full interviews that had the opportunity to do yesterday with Temple's offense coordinator, Danny Langsdorf and Temple's defensive coordinator, DJ Elliott, we do want to play a, a brief clip from each of those interviews. So again, one of the guys that we haven't touched on yet uh, is the quarterback that they got out of Ocean Township High School, Tyler Douglas, 6'2", 195 pounds, a dual threat guy, dealt with a shoulder injury this season, but still you know, put up some really good numbers for them. Of course, it's the the high school program that produced Kenny Pickett, one-time Temple commit. And obviously, Temple's got a good thing going with EJ Warner and sometimes fans say, okay, well, do you just get guys that are clear backups behind him? No, it's a year by year deal. And you need, you need two or three really good quarterbacks in your system. We know this and they're pretty high on Tyler Douglas. He verbally committed over the summer and uh, had a chance to ask Danny yesterday about Tyler Douglas, what he likes about him. And here you'll, you'll talk about, you'll hear him talking about, you know, what they like about Tyler and also beyond that, how Tyler is, you know, willing to work with and really eager to learn from EJ Warner. So we'll play this clip for you here now. He, in my opinion, was like their whole team. Yeah. I mean, they they won a lot of games this year, coming off of a, of a tough year last year, mm-hmm. and um, I mean, he carried that team, and I love that about him. Um, he can run, he can throw, he's smart, he's competitive. And he's looking forward to working with EJ, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I love that about him. He's not afraid to compete with him, but he's also encouraged and excited about about learning from him. So mm-hmm. it says a lot about that kid. Um, but he, you know, he is a kid that can run and throw and uh, a very exciting prospect that way. We identified him early and have been on him a long time. Mm-hmm. And so I'm excited, we're excited to get to work with him. All right. Um in addition to talking to Danny Langsdorf, as I mentioned, talk to DJ Elliott. Um, we're talking about the the future players coming in on this roster. And as you guys know, in a in a world of the transfer portal and NIL, Temple is obviously working just like most prog- programs are to continue to re-recruit their current players. Broke some news about the current roster on our message board. So if you are not an Alscoop.com subscriber now, of course, would be a great time. Some important roster news over there that I got from DJ Elliott yesterday, but um, talk to DJ again, about a lot of stuff. Again, if you, you can subscribe to the site, you'll hear that full interview. We even talked about his, uh, his time away from football, doing a couple of podcasts of a uh, real fun guy to talk to. Um, gave me some great stuff about a lot of the guys in this class. One of the clips we'll play here is um, talking about a guy in this class that wasn't super highly ranked and his, his defensive stats aren't going to jump out at you because he played a multiple uh, a multitude of positions um, for his high school out in the Pittsburgh area. Uh, Conlon Green, uh, who played for Penn Trafford. And, you know, uh, DJ talked about 
what they like about him, how it is kind of rare that you don't see that type of position versatility where you, you know, yes, it's very, very common for guys to play on both sides of the ball, but it's not as common to see a defensive lineman go under center on the other side of it. But the guy that they're really high on, and, and again, if he, you know, if they if he's successful out in Western PA and they get a guy like him, it just helps them put money in the bank in terms of their recruitment there and that and their efforts out there. So this is DJ Elliott talking about Conlon Green and why he is excited about him. So Conlon is the first defensive tackle I've ever signed that also started a quarterback. Mm-hmm. So he has. Like you don't always. I mean, I know position flexibility is a thing, yeah. but like, you, I guess you don't see that a ton, right? No, very rarely do you see a guy that can put his hand in the dirt and play a three technique and also take snaps and, yeah. and throw a fade ball. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So he has a very unique skill set. And he's a guy that we recruited early. Mm-hmm. He came to camp, he did a tremendous job at camp. We officially visited him this summer. He committed to us and stayed with his commitment, and he's since gained about 30 pounds. I mean, I think when we signed him, he was about 245, and now he's about 270. And so he's a guy that has a huge frame, has a big upside, very athletic. I mean, anybody that's athletic enough to play quarterback along with the line, then they have a unique skill set, and we're very excited to have him. All right, so uh, again, just I know I keep saying this, keep your eyes peeled on the site if you're not subscribed yet. Great time. We to haven't even talked about the the Aussie. Oh yeah, another yeah. We didn't talk about uh, the Australian punter Dante Atten uh, from Melbourne from the Pro Kick Academy, uh, a guy that they're really high on. You know, the Adam Shire experience. Yes, this is his uh, fifth straight with Jimmy uh, Hendrix experience. Yeah, this is fifth straight Australian punter. Though I think he said he told Kevin Cobb he's like this is my youngest one, and he's coming as a twenty one year old freshman. He's like it's the youngest one I've ever coached. Because, I mean, Mackenzie Morgan was 28 years old, right? Like, um, Corsak at Rutgers is older. So, speaking uh, of that, as, long, I, as I, long as Adam Shire is at Temple, expect Australian punters. Stan said yesterday when he was talking about Pierre Clark, and he was like, the best thing is, like, these, is Pierre Clark really 22 years old? Or is no, he, he said he's like, he's coming in a year older than everybody. He's coming in 21, 22. And I was like, like I didn't think well, those are. Those are conflicting things. Yeah. I mean, usually when you deal with like European, like high school and stuff, like I think it is usually like a year, like they're usually like a year older. So he's probably like 19, 20. Yeah. I was going to say, I think he was. Although like the NFL Academy, like they weren't going to school, right? Mm-hmm. Like NFL Academy is just like a a football thing, I thought. One of the funnier quotes yesterday was Stan talking about Peter Clark. And he was like, hey, man, I see similarities between. Uh, North Philly and South London. I just happen to have a have an accent, and then Stan goes, "Yeah, whatever it takes, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whatever you got to convince yourself to come here, man." Like, just yeah. But I mean, I think yeah, I think Peter Clark. I've had a chance to talk to him a couple of times. Very sincere kid, and really does gravitate to Temple. And he saw it back in uh, saw it back in the spring when he came through with some other players from the NFL Academy, and then came in for his official the weekend that Temple lost their Friday night game. To Tulsa, but really does. I mean, I think what Stan is, you know, we're making light of that one uh, quote, but yeah, Peter Clark really does genuinely speak about like, I'm a city kid. I'm a city kid. I really like Temple. So no, yeah, are, I mean, like yeah. South London's where, where like Stormzy's from. Like, it's not like the, it's not castles and like uh, high society. So mm-hmm. like, I think Stan, I would argue that Peter probably doesn't think he has an accent. He probably <laughs> thinks that, that when I grew up with talks like me, you have an yeah. accent. You have an accent. <laughs> you don't. Um, so we do have um, a few mailbag questions to get to here from 
our alscoop.com subscriber message board. First one comes from Mike TB31. His question is, assuming the majority of these freshman recruits won't make an immediate impact next year, did they address our future needs? Did they address the current needs with the transfer portal? Yeah, I think they did. I think we've already talked about that. I think, you know, they, they addressed the offensive line. They addressed running backs. Kyle makes a very simple but important point. I think every position on this roster is a position of of need. I don't think you – yes, they, they have some good linebackers that they're excited about and have players that they're excited about, but I don't think that they would have the luxury of – looking at any position on this roster saying, uh, uh, we're good there, you know? Right. So uh, I, 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 th- I think they did a good job on both ends. They brought good talent in and they kept good talent in like, yeah, Darian Varner leaving to Virginia tech is a loss, right? Mm-hmm. Like he's, a, he was an all conference defensive lineman, but like other people are staying that like in theory, like you could have thought about, it. you could look at it in this roster and a year ago, if they had the same caliber players a year ago, a lot of the players that are going to be playing football for temple in the spring and the fall would not still be here. Mm-hmm. Like, like think about all the people that left over the last two, three years. Mm-hmm. And for the most part, you've only had like one so far. All that being said, and I think somebody asked this, there's going to be more roster attrition. Like it's going to happen in the spring. It'll happen yeah. in the summer. The people that are on the roster now. They won't all be here, but it seems like they've at least dodged bullets to this point. Yeah. You didn't have the, I don't want to pile on the guy, but whatever. Like you didn't have the like egg on your face moment where on a Wednesday, Rod Carey talks about how Chris Banks is the future of the defensive tackle program. And on a Friday, Chris Banks enters the portal. Like, yeah, not, you haven't had any of those moments yet. No, no. And those were, yeah, they, again, it was like the, the beginning curve of the, of the transfer portal, but yeah, well, not one of, um, you make a good point when there were, when Rod Carey talks about that, Fair or unfair, you you think, okay, how how in tune with your current roster are you, right. the climate of your current roster? And I agree they haven't had moments well, like that. In hindsight, in hindsight, you could probably make the argument that Chris Banks shouldn't have left. Like, he became yep. a rotational guy at Boston College. Like, he probably yep. should have stayed, but he didn't. Because and for a Boston talk- College team that is really... Yeah, wheels fell off. Yeah. One of the teams, one of what, two or three programs that ran the ball. Not that this is he has anything to do with this, of course, but... One or two or three programs in America that actually was worse at running the football than Temple was this past season. Yeah, which because you get rid of Adazio. Yeah, yeah, got to stay that boat now. Anyway, um, one along the lines of this question from Mike TB thirty one, we do want to play this clip from Stan Drayton because he was asked about this yesterday. How many, you know, how many of these guys can step in and play right away? And Stan had a pretty good answer that we'll play for you here, where he talks about that readiness, you know, can you play right away, you know, competition and everything. And, you know, you'll hear him say here, like, Hey, what what do all these guys want to do play in the NFL? Well, if that's what you want to do, you need to be committed to doing whatever you need to do here. And I thought it was, I thought it was a good answer that went beyond the surface level of just like competition is King and all this stuff. So when he was asked about, you know, do you have any potential starters here? Here's what Stan had to say on that subject. I'm anticipating every single one of them to compete to be a starter. Yeah, they have an opportunity to come in here and earn a position. And if they are the best at their position, then they will have an opportunity to start. And, um, you know, again, credit to our current football players who have helped host these guys. They know that they were potentially hosting players that may take their position, you know, and um, 
Every single one of these players that we've signed today, if you ask them what their, their goal is on the football field, their end goal, what do you think they're going to say? I'm going to go to the NFL, right? Well, hey, in my experience as an NFL coach, you know, we're going to draft a player, okay, one year, and the next year, guess what? We're going to draft another player, all right? And it's going to be all based on what? Production, okay? You know, in, but in the sense of that and during the time of that, every single one of those players in their room are getting better because the level of competition just keeps getting better. And that's what these guys are not afraid of. You know, and, uh, you know, of course, yeah, somebody's going to struggle with uh, not playing as much football as they will hope, you know, but uh, this is something that we address at the front door here at Temple. Uh, we are trying to create a competitive atmosphere so that if you're saying you want to go to the NFL, then understand that it's going to require a competitive environment for you to, to obtain that. That's the only way you're going to get better. And uh, I promise every single one of these guys, as well as our current football players, that it is my job and obligation to make sure that I put the best talent on the football field. And hey, if it's a wash between two people, they're both going to play, you know. And that is what these guys bought during the course of the recruiting process. So when I say I absolutely expect them all to compete for the starting position, I mean it. I mean it. And, um, and our current players that are here holding what they believe are starting positions, they know they got to go continue to earn that. You know, we wipe the slate clean and, and uh, let's go see who's going to win that war. I, uh, two more questions here. The next one here from Temple J. Are there still opportunities on the portal? Any whispers? Yeah, for sure. And like there's a couple that haven't been announced yet. Like we talked about Taiwan Francis. Um, yes. Kamara Wilcoxon from Florida has announced that he's coming. Um, they have, they've had a couple guys in for visits. I think they're still waiting on decisions from, um, the Nebraska defensive tackle, Marquise Black. He's yeah. still out there. He took an official visit. I think he might be at a temple lean, but I think he wants to take their commitments. Tyler Halverson, um, the kicker from kicker. Hawaii who literally just tweeted as I'm doing this, but he didn't come in or anything. He just tweeted a video of him kicking 58 yard field goal. I think he's a possibility if they want to add there. I think it's just like, yeah, they're going to – if I had to guess when Stan said, hey, we're going to add four guys on offense and one to two guys on defense, I think the majority of those are going to be transfers. Mm-hmm. I think I don't think there's going to be many, like, high school kids that, like, they're unaware of right now that they didn't take in the, the winter. I think they're going to try to plug and play guys from the portal. Yeah, I know he's always the convenient example, and it's from years ago. Unless you get around to May and you – teleport yourself back to Al Golden's days and you think you have the next Jaquan Jarrett. Yeah. You're probably not taking. Right. You know, I mean, they did it last year with like Jacob Porter didn't come until like May. Sure, right? right. But that's a situation yeah. where like a scholarship shook free and they didn't have a spot for him originally. And they did and blah, blah. I think he was originally going to go to Yale and they flipped him. Um, Quick note. Porter I, seemed to be a guy that they were starting to become a little high on as like a guy who really started to practice. Well, we'll see. That's always one of the fun. Yeah. Things. Right. Like he hasn't oh, played like some yet. of the red shirt you know, guys. Sure. Yeah. But I think for the most part, it's going to be just like, look, I think they need another wide receiver. I think they still want to add a guy on each side of the line. And then, I don't know, then you can maybe bring in like a kicker or something like that. But I think for the most part, it's just going to be transfer portal. Mm-hmm. Um, and then maybe the two guys we talked about, like maybe Anthony Baxter, or maybe Nate Stewart, find a way at Temple. Those might be the high school guys. Yeah. Watch them sign six middle schoolers now after I've said that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, future Doogie Housers. Football field. Um, Aiden, do you know who Doogie Hauser is? Yes, but I've never seen the movies. I think it was a show. A TV show. <laughs> <laughs> Doogie Hauser. I also, I also, I also, I also, I also, 
Javon Doogie Hauser. Yes, no. Do you do you know? Know the name. That's it. Neil Patrick Harris played a, a little child prodigy. It was a doctor. Yeah. That's about it. It was the 80s, man. Yeah. <laughs> 90s, <laughs> 90s. <laughs> it's time to what a time to be alive. Which, we talked about this before. Whatever, just pick out like any like B and below movie on Rotten Tomatoes from like 1981 to like 1993. And if you like describe the the concept of it, the synopsis of it, it's wild. Like none of the movies make sense anymore. Mm-hmm. Have you seen like this all this has come back to fruition because um they got featured in the video game. But did you see like Tom have you ever seen the like Tommy and the T-Rex or Jenny and the T-Rex? It was Denise Richards and Paul Walker. It's no. a movie, it's a movie in the early nineties where she's a cheerleader and her quarterback boyfriend gets decapitated and they put his brain inside of a Jurassic park T-Rex and she continues to love him. (laughs) There's no way that's real. I swear to God, (laughs) Denise Richards, it's called Tammy and the T-Rex. It came out in 1994. It involves, they took Paul Walker's brain and implanted his, it plants it into an animatronic dinosaur. And it's Denise Richards loving the dinosaur. <laughs> like that's still Tommy. It might be one of the most valuable nuggets you have ever added on the scoop. And you've had some good insight, but this is uh worst case scenario. Google it. You get to see 1984 Denise Richard. It's not the worst thing in the world. The no. movie might be. <laughs> um, last mailbag question here to uh close things out. Again, his official screen name is Al 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 Al. We call him Al to the eighth degree. Did you say Al eight times? I think I did. Yeah. I mean, if I screwed up, we have to re-record this entire thing all over again. <laughs> um, his question, how much more roster attrition do we expect between now and Labor Day? It seems like a lot of portal activity happening for us. Like we anticipate a constant revolving door for some percentage of our roster. What do you guys think? I mean, we kind of touched on this already, but uh, what do you think? I mean, right now without any more additions and anything they're like four or five scholarships over right. so like if you're if you're taking stan at his word which like why wouldn't you i guess and they're gonna add like six more people then 10 people gotta go whether that's 10 people in the recruiting class that don't make it or whether that's a combination of people on the roster i would think like they're gonna get they have to get down to 85 so there's gonna be a fair amount of people and not all of them are gonna be just like afterthoughts right like there's always some guy when you're like oh i thought he was gonna project into something i thought he was like a year away from being a player and sometimes those guys decide they want to go play at robert morris or saint francis or something instead so yeah say 10 i have a couple in mind but i would i, I would hate to speculate on the the scoop and then that kid ends up staying and then you'd be a good you'd be a good broadcaster i hate to speculate here but it looks like he may lose his ring finger i mean what would jim gardner do and he wouldn't speculate no he wouldn't he wouldn't he wouldn't i miss you jim gardner Doing his last uh, his last broadcast on Channel Six last night. Avid listener of the scoop. That's question. It. Yes. Why a Wednesday night? It's a good question. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I don't know either. Um, maybe we'll talk about to, that on our next podcast. I wonder if it has some like, like obvious sentimental value we didn't know about. Maybe he had been but there the, for forty years. The and it was big first story day. tonight on the scoop is why did Jim Gardner bow out on a Wednesday night? I maybe it's just like look like. Once you, you know, once you guys graduate college and you get into like the corporate world, like nobody works during these weeks anyway. So maybe he's just like, <laughs> screw it. Like, let's, let's stop pretending. Like no one's going to work on the 22nd and 23rd. <laughs> neither am I. Yeah. Thursday night would have made sense. Cause who watches the news on a Friday? You know, no one watches television on a Friday night. No, that's fair. I only watch Jeopardy on a Friday night. <laughs> well, 
There was a Jeopardy uh, category last night or two nights ago called NBA Teams. Easiest category in the world. You are? Easiest. The, the, the $1,000 question was, um, alphabetically, this is the last, this alliterative team is the last NBA team. The Wizards. Yeah, the Washington Wizards. But one of them was literally, like, the $800 question was, this team won six championships in the 90s. The Bulls? Right. Like, that was the wow. $800 question. <laughs> it's just these one guy like, who's just like, just keep him calm. Like, just, these were like Celebrity Jeopardy-esque. Yeah, but it was just it was just regular Jeopardy, hmm. and then it was literally next to like Shakespeare lines. <laughs> I was like, yeah, you guys are just going straight into this. Well, we appreciate you all sticking with us for um, another episode. We hope that you and your family have a safe, happy, and healthy holiday season. Whether you are celebrating Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, anything else, wish you and your family the best. We know it has been a you know a, a tough year for a lot of people, so um, we hope that. Uh, 2023 will be good to you and your family. Uh, love you guys, Kyle, Caden, Javon. Thanks for being with me here today. And uh, I guess we'll reconvene what after uh, after New Year's Day. When's the next Olympics? <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, January 5th, whatever. <laughs> yeah, might as well do the sixth. You know. Yeah, might as well. Sam Cohen will come Sam back. Sam Cohen was not here anymore, so he <laughs> yes. won't be, we don't have to worry about his busy schedule for the first time. And Happy birthday to Sam, by the way. Yes, it's Sam Cohn's birthday today. Shout out to Sam Cohn. For the first time in two years, we'll wonder, where was Sam on January 6th? This is a bit, by the way. Sam is a very... No, it's not. Yes, he, it stormed, he stormed our capital. <laughs> Sam Cohn did absolutely not storm the capital, but uh, it's a fun... Uh, what are you going to believe? We have. <laughs> yeah, I, I, do we truly know? I don't know. Was anybody here with him on January 6th? We don't know. We don't, but I know talk about that on the next episode anyway thank you all have a wonderful holiday and we will talk to you all soon 